Are you accepting it? No, of course no. not. Rubbish. The government is not accepting it. Well, Welcome to Two Grumpy Hacks, the podcast. I'm Malcolm Farr, and of course, we're with Dennis Atkins. And this is the year of the fire hose of falsehood. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is number 18 in this extraordinary year, and we're still going. Look, there, there was, you know, after Josh Frydenberg's Spenderpalooza. Uh, budget last week. I still have this this thought traipsing through my mind, and clearly, it's I think it's traipsing through the minds of Scott Morrison and his media fan club. Just to sum it up, uh, essentially, you know, go early, go COVID, the big spending budget, all those billions, was essentially a platform for a bloke who operates by the political imperative to launch "I Saved Australia from the Virus" campaign. This, this, I mean, this is based on hints he's given, but also the urgings he's getting. Dennis, what do you think of the prospects of an election early or, or full term? Well, I've always been a, a, a an early election um, uh, uh, forecaster, um, and and I've I've stuck to that. I wobbled a bit back in about early March when when the government was in uh, so much trouble uh, over. The, the appalling way it handled a, a series of issues which were grouped together as being uh, women's problems, you know, sort of or problems to do with the treatment of women, what happened to women and men behaving badly. Um, and Scott Morrison's own particular uh, failure to understand or, or even recognise uh, that uh, there was a problem in many cases. Uh, now, for a while there, I thought, oh, maybe maybe this is so dire, he'll just hang on. But um, I came to my senses. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I soon got back on the early election uh, bandwagon and, and the budget has just reinforced that view. Um, uh, I've written this weekend um, that when you sort of calculate everything, take into to account redistributions, particularly the one in Western Australia, which won't be finalised until uh, the 2nd of August. Um, you're looking at an election, I think the earliest is probably October 9, straight after the footy grand finals. Oh, yeah. well, that'll suit you because you wouldn't want your footy grand finals disrupted. <laughs> um, yeah. October, th th there's a certain appeal there, isn't it? I and mean, it's before people clock off for summer uh, and... Uh, and, and Morrison, I would presume, would hope that by then he's sorted out whether people need two jabs by the end of the year or can get two jabs by the end of the year or only one, whether that's good or bad. But uh, it, the, I think your uh, your projection is pretty attractive. And if can I just go back to something that uh, the Prime Minister said on 7.30? It was interesting arrangement of priorities by him. He, he said uh, uh, there'll be an opportunity for Australians to express their view when the election finally comes. Right now, I'm fighting the virus and I'm keeping Australians in jobs and I'm seeking to provide the best blah, 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 uh, possible support for their health. It was an interesting ordering of, of priorities by him. And uh, it, it, he, he most likely would be posing as the man who saved uh, uh, 
Australia from the China flu. And even if he locks borders, international borders, for months to come, there'll be a substantial group of Australians who would uh, thank him for that and probably vote for him. Uh, would that be reasonably accurate? Yeah, I think so. I think he wants to be the, uh, you know, the 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 covid killing king uh you know the guy who protected australia and and turned australia into a country that is the envy of uh, pretty well everywhere else unless you live in new zealand um yeah so uh and and you know he can make an argument uh, uh that'll back that up and he's also got at the moment and i think at least until the third quarter of the year uh, this argument will be sustained, an argument that the economy is also uh, performing exceptionally well and much better than a lot of countries, over, uh, a lot of other countries. Um, so, you know, he's got the key elements of protecting people's health and protecting their economic well-being. And then he throws in with a bit of nationalistic drum beating uh national uh, national security and and trying to scare everyone into thinking that china is is uh, a huge threat both economically and militarily yes of course uh, we're not sure which china he might be referring to but <laughs> which which i mean this is a bloke who can't tell the difference between hong kong and taiwan uh and then goes on national television and gives an in incomprehensible explanation of this, finally finishing with an absolute total denial that he's made a mistake, which is uh, exactly what he did. But th which leads me to a, a, another question, which is uh, the coalition might survive the pandemic recession, but can it survive Scott Morrison? Uh, I, you know, th there is a view, and uh, I'm sympathetic to some elements of this, that uh, he is arguably the most shallow, the most deceitful, uh, uh, the, the, the most self-important, uh, the most cowardly prime minister that I've uh, had to report on. And there have been a lot of contenders in all those fields, but nobody has had the, uh, the, the succession of dreary disappointments that this bloke has provided, uh, whether it's you know, absolute, telling absolute lies or uh, avoiding accountability. I mean, you, you could... You can knit a blanket from his spine, it's so feeble. Uh, but, uh, I mean, oh, come on, truly, let's not muck about with this. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he does cover most bases. He, he does, yeah, yeah. I mean, as I say, there are serious contenders in each of those fields, but uh, his consistency is, is, is remarkable. And I'm, I, I'm not being facetious. I, I, I think he's uh, outstandingly bad. Uh, and, uh, but... This is going to dawn on a lot of people. For instance, shutting the international borders. There will be, as we briefly touched on there, a lot of Australians think that's a pretty good idea. We're being protected by this chap. There will be others who uh, say, well, look, hang on, my parents live overseas and I can't see them uh, and they're in danger. I want to be with them. Uh, I was born overseas. I want to return to the country of my birth occasionally. Or they might be sitting up in Cairns saying, where are all these bloody international big spending tourists that I need to survive? Sooner or later, there's going to be some erosion of, of that uh, that happy uh, feeling that you know, uh, Australia is uh, now, I think, a fortress, aren't we? At some stage, anyway, we're on a war footing. Or, or a gilded cage, some people call it. Oh, my God. <laughs> or, or, but, uh, you know, there's going to be some questioning of that, that uh, at the very least. Uh, 
can the coalition survive Scott Morrison? Well, um, that is a really fascinating question. And I think it's one that, you know, let, let's presume that he wins the election. Uh, you know, that's not absolutely certain, but it's probably the more likely outcome. What does the Liberal Party do about Scott Morrison? Do they hang on to him? Does he decide that he's going to go out on top? That's going to be a whole fascinating, uh, you know, scenario or, or even a few scenarios uh, sort of patched together after an election. Because, you know, you're right about international borders. You know, there will be an increasing pressure in Australia uh, now, it mightn't be a majority pressure, but it will be an increasing pressure. The, the French president has just announced that he is going to allow Americans who have been vaccinated and who have got a negative COVID test into France uh, by next month. Uh, so this idea of using vaccination and testing uh, as sort of a passport to travel is going to grow uh, increasingly more prevalent and there will be in Australia people saying well hang on why can't we do that and I think that this will grow in this this will this will find uh, a lot of um, attention among Liberal Party branch members and some Liberal Party MPs and they will start to sort of grumble about this and say, well, look, you know, we're the party of freedom, we're the party of, you know, sort of free movement and so on and so forth. At the same time, they will also be saying, where is the pathway out of debt and deficit? Where is budget repair? Now, Scott Morrison's got no appetite for budget repair because he, he, he thinks that, you know, spending huge amounts of money is, is his way to electoral salvation. However, you know, these things are going to be problems that will, if he does win the election, will be, be there afterwards. Is he going to be capable of fixing them up or will the Liberal Party start to be really questioning the, the true value of Scott Morrison as a leader? I, I think that uh, that's a pretty good summation of, of things and, and done in a much more temperate language than I do. <laughs> Uh, uh, but uh, I think well, I, that's well, only because you got in first. <laughs> <laughs> but but look, on things such as that debt, which is you know screaming towards what around eight hundred and forty billion uh, uh, at the moment, and, and uh, you know knocking on the door of a trillion. Uh, can we go briefly to Labor's response? Uh, you know, uh, Anthony Albanese gave a no frills, not much really depending on your perspective, I guess, uh, um, budget reply, which was based on affordable housing, housing, which is no doubt uh, a, a critical issue, and, and on employment of young people, again, no doubt a critical issue. But it wasn't a comprehensive response to the budget and its many fields. Uh, it, it wasn't um, innovative in any dramatic or substantial way. Uh, and whilst... You know, I think it's always difficult for oppositions of any brand to to give a, a counter-budget after the national government has had its shot. Uh, there are a lot of people who were hoping and expecting more. Uh, were they disappointed or did Albanese play the right card? 
Well, I think he played probably the 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 the, the best uh, hand that he that he could have. I think I think that he would have been foolish to try and present an alternative budget. He would have been foolish to just stand up there for thirty five minutes or whatever and do nothing but criticise what the federal government had done. I thought his his critique of Morrison. Uh, in particular, uh, while not as intemperate as yours, uh, was <laughs> was pretty spot on, uh, and and would have had a lot of people nodding. Um, so you know, I I think he did. You know, given the circumstances he was in, I think he did pretty well. What he has to do between now and the election is work out well how the hell am I going to beat this guy? And that is a really difficult question. He he's, he he's got one easy road to to go down which is to criticize day in day out the failures uh, of scott morrison and and in the short term that's on the vaccine vaccination rollout i think that that'll probably you know get better as we go along but at the moment it is a soft target the other one which i think is is a real live issue and one which will remain a live issue probably all the way to the election is the failure of this government to do anything at a national level on quarantine for returning travellers. I think that's an absolute disgrace and it is a failure that baffles me uh, and this government should be held account uh, for it. Now, what Albanese and Labor do beyond that in terms of an alternative economic uh, and nation-building message, you know, well... All I can say is I'm glad it's them and not me who has to come up with it because it is not an easy, uh, you know, page to fill in. Are we suggesting that uh, Labor has lost uh, a, a lot of the folk who normally would be in its corner? A lot of uh, a lot of voters. That, I mean, there, there are some cheap and, and irrelevant comparisons with what happened in Hartlepool and etc. in Britain during local government elections, but. Uh, do, do, are Labor punters still confident uh, of uh, you know uh, an Albanese rescue? Well, unfortunately, Labor has been losing those voters uh, ever since uh, the the sort of disruptions uh, uh, that followed Kevin Rudd's uh, first uh, tilt, uh, first time in in the in the prime ministership. Uh, and it hasn't been able to put back a big enough coalition to win. It's got close. It got close under Bill Shorten uh, in 2016 uh, and then slipped backwards a bit uh, in 2019. But I can't see where Labor has actually grown uh, the vote that it got in 2019, and it, it, it needs to grow that vote to win. It needs to broaden its coalition uh because that's the way you win elections. At the moment, I think Labor is at best holding its ground, and that's not going to be good enough. No, I, I think you're right. Well, well, all the best down there in Melbourne, mixing with the fancy people of Fitzroy. Uh, I'm sure there are lots of Morrison supporters there. We'll, we'll set you straight on, on what a magnificent job he's doing. Um, in the meantime, it's uh, goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from me. And I'd just like to point out that I am actually uh, right at this moment a uh, 
hand pass, and that's an Australian rules football uh, expression, a hand pass away from Adam Bant's electorate office. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always thought you were. I always thought you were. Talk to you later. Okay. See you.